now. I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time. Like the last time, you better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Hey guys, Jamie here and welcome to another awesome episode of Mindset with Muscle. We are moving swiftly on to chapter 8 of my book, which is titled Falling in Love with Failure. A lot of people fear failure and they really shouldn't because it's those failures and mistakes which we learn and gain experience from. And something I say all the time is, you know, I'm where I am today because I've made more mistakes and failures than most. I really, really hope you enjoy this chapter. It is one of my favorites. But before we get started, gents, have you checked out my train with Jay yet? Less than a month, we've had over 300 people join me and the buzz in the Facebook group is electric. So many people now dropping body fat, building muscle, and most importantly, educating themselves on the right things to do and most importantly, not to do as well. If you're looking to join or you want to find out more, just head on over to www.trainwithj.co.uk. Really hope you enjoy this episode and I will speak to you soon. Chapter 8. Falling in love with failure. Why do people fail? In some ways I think, how do people fail would be a better question. As I see it, it's not so much failure or the prospect of failure that are the problem. It's how you react that really matters. I've identified three factors that amplify the setbacks we all encounter in life and make them so much worse. The blame game. It's all too easy to blame something or someone else when things go wrong. Someone fails, but rather than learn from that failure, they'll point the finger and say, well, it failed because of that person, or it didn't work because of X or Y. It's the kind of rationalisation that makes you feel better because it distances you from the situation. The problem with this approach is that you don't learn anything. If it's someone else's fault, it means that you don't take responsibility so you don't have to make any effort to find out what went wrong and to see if it can be put right. It means that you certainly won't undertake any of the analysis that I've emphasised the need for elsewhere in this book. What follows from this approach is that you either repeat the mistake, and we've already established that you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result, or you abandon the whole project, which in effect sets the seal on your failure. Not investing in yourself. Just deciding you want to do something is no guarantee that you'll be able to achieve it. At the very least, you need to invest the time to learn about what it is that you are trying to do. You may already have the specialist knowledge behind your passion, but you won't necessarily have, say, the financial and marketing knowledge that you need to put your business on a sound footing and to get it known to prospective customers. Of course, there is masses of information out there, but that makes it even more important to be selective and not to adopt the sort of pick-and-mix approach to developing the skills you would need to build your business. If need be, take a course of some sort, pay for expert advice. This is all part of your commitment to your passion and maintaining the necessary focus. Remember, follow one course until successful. Building my business was no exception to this rule, and here are some of the ways I invested in myself during the development phase. I paid for online courses and services from the best in the business so I could learn from their methods. I spent time with people who were playing a bigger game than me and paid for their time so I could pick their brains. 
I haven't been afraid of spending money on things that might not work. It's only by experimenting with different technologies, applications and platforms that you learn what works and what doesn't. I've committed myself to reading two or three business books a month and spent time experimenting and applying the things that I've learned. Once I've invested in a certain method or strategy, I temporarily stop looking for alternatives until I've finished trialling what I've invested in. I've invested in my social skills by doing things that are outside of my comfort zone, such as meeting up with complete strangers for business lunches, which I organised at the last minute. Worrying about what people think. A lot of people allow themselves to be discouraged from following their passions by the negative opinions of others. They might have good ideas and start to make plans, but as soon as they announce them to others, they're met with a barrage of doubts and criticism. What if this happens? What if that happens? But these critics are not the ones with the ideas and the passion. They are not the ones who have the motivation to persevere and solve problems, so it's not surprising that they see nothing but obstacles to a chosen course of action. Nevertheless, by pouring cold water on people's plans, they manage to sow seeds of doubt and generate enough fear to put people off trying to achieve anything. How is failure related to fear? Fear and failure work closely together and go a long way to explain why people don't achieve things that they want to achieve in life. Fear, as defined by the Oxford English Dictionary, is an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain or harm. The purpose of fear is to protect you, to promote your survival. In extreme circumstances, your brain activates your body into a flight or fight response to prepare you for what might be about to happen. The key words here are about to happen. It's all about anticipation. Fear protected our distant ancestors from being eaten by predators. However, as we are unlikely to be pounced on at any moment by a saber-toothed tiger, our fears are more usually related to things like what other people think of us, how we would cope with a reduction in income, or perhaps more generalised issues such as climate change. None of this requires us to be in the adrenaline fueled survival mode we sometimes find ourselves in. Interestingly, babies are born with only two fears, fear of falling and fear of loud noises. All other fears are fears that we learn because of our culture, and they can in fact vary considerably from one country to another. People in Japan, for example, have a far greater fear of losing face than we do in the West. And I know from my travels in Africa that the way of life that many take for granted there would fill us with fear of disease, of hunger, of having to cope with what we see as the basic amenities of life. So in reality, most of us, most of the time, have very little to fear. And yet we let fear of imaginary harm inhibit our activities and our quest for success. A ship in the harbour is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. William Shedd Fear of failure looms large in our society, and some would say that it starts far too early. The jury is out on whether the extent of testing used in schools is improving standards or producing a generation of children afraid to fail. The fact remains that most people are fearful of following their passions because of risk of failure. What I hope to demonstrate is that failure need not be something to fear. It can be helpful, constructive, creative even. Why should you embrace failure? There is one word that I'd like to see firmly attached to failure. Experience. There is no substitute for experience when it comes to learning and developing. If people don't try new things because they're afraid of failure, they are missing out on huge opportunities. Not the least the opportunity of finding their true potential. When you go to the gym and you push yourself to the point of failure, you find out where your limits are. 
Next time you'll know where that limit is and therefore how much more it is reasonable to push yourself to go beyond that. And that's how you progress. You wouldn't have been able to identify your starting point for improvement if you hadn't persevered until the point of failure. So the best way to look at failure is as feedback. Suppose you failed at lifting a weight. There could be a number of reasons for this. You weren't strong enough to lift it. You didn't have enough energy to lift it. You weren't using the correct technique. What you need to do now is find out which of these was the cause of the failure and work specifically on that problem before you try to lift the weight again. If you know you were using the correct technique, you'll either need to develop your strength further or think about why you didn't have enough energy on that particular occasion and adjust the timing of your workout or perhaps your nutrition. How much more constructive is that than simply accepting your failure by telling yourself that you're just too much of a weakling? There is a very valuable lesson about what distinguishes failure from failing that I learned from a guest who I've had on my podcast, Jay Summit. There is a huge difference between failure and failing. Failing is trying something that you learn doesn't work. Failure is throwing in the towel and giving up. True success comes from failing repeatedly and as quickly as possible, before your cash or your willpower gives out. This links us back directly to the attack model in chapter 6 specifically to the analyse and compare parts of the cycle. When you fail at something, you need to examine how far your achievement is from your expectations and analyse that difference. Again, the tendency to view things as either black or white can lead people to throw out the baby with the bathwater. A more reasoned assessment might show that, far from failing outright, you have actually achieved a partial success. If a meticulous analysis of why you have failed or not achieved as much as you hoped reveals a number of possible causes, you need to be rigorous in the way that you tackle them. Take the simple example of a missed weight loss goal. Tempting though it might be to go off and alter your diet, change your exercise regime and spend longer in the gym, it will not get you to the heart of why you missed that goal. What you actually need to do is just change one thing at a time, give it a chance to work and then measure its impact. That's the only way you'll be able to isolate what it is that is causing the problem or having the biggest impact. This is in fact the scientific method. Scientists do not consider themselves as failing every time something doesn't turn out as they hope it will. They call this process experimentation, and progress emerges through trial and error. It will, for example, take many hundreds of formulations before medical researchers create a vaccine that will tackle a disease safely and effectively. In this context, it's worth noting that Jonas Salk worked 16 hours a day, seven days a week for more than two years to develop the polio vaccine. People like Jonas Salk are the acknowledged experts in their fields precisely because they have made all the mistakes there are to make and learn from them. There is a tendency to mistrust experts these days, and people often complain about, say, the plumber who turns up and fixes something in about 10 minutes by turning a valve or some such and then charges £80. What they're forgetting is that they're not just paying for that 10 minutes, they're paying for several years of apprenticeship, followed by more years of confronting every plumbing problem under the sun and developing skills, knowledge and experience on the job. Even if you fall on your face, you're still moving forward. Victor Kayam. You can apply these principles to anything. Push yourself out of your comfort zone and don't worry about failing. Do do show some regard for the health and safety of others. If you fail, take the time to examine what went wrong or what could have gone better and identify what you can do to fix it or improve it on the next time. This approach to failure is what builds experience. 
prestigious employers often prefer to hire someone who has made mistakes because they know that they have been prepared to take a risk and that they will have learned from their mistakes. They're not so keen on people who have made the same mistake twice. I hope I've demonstrated that, all in all, failure is nothing to fear. Take a shortcut. There is another option, and that is to let others make the mistakes for you. But so that you don't miss out on the lesson and benefit from making mistakes, you need to choose the area in which you let others make the mistakes carefully. The weightlifting failure I set out earlier in the chapter offers a good example of where you could take a shortcut to improving your performance. If you identify that where you're going wrong is in your technique, then it makes sense to seek out an expert and get advice from them rather than risk working your way through further poor and possibly dangerous techniques. When failure is the foundation for success. There are countless stories that spring to mind and demonstrate how people have battled through failures to ultimate success. At the heart of all these stories is someone who didn't give up, but soldiered on through the tough times till they achieved their goal, as these famous examples show. My first example is J.K. Rowling. Her early failures included failed marriage and extreme poverty and being rejected by 12 publishers, but achieved ultimate success by numerous literary awards, 400 million books sold and a net worth of $1 billion. My next example is Michael Jordan. His early failure was being rejected by his varsity basketball team for being too short and his ultimate success, as you know, was Olympic gold medalist, NBA player of the year, many times, and numerous other sporting awards, and has a net worth now of around $1.14 billion. And my final example is of Sean Palfrey, whose Tangle teaser brush was rejected by dragons on the Dragon's Den. And his ultimate success was his business is now worth over £200 million, his product is exported to 60 countries, and 13 Tangle teasers are sold every minute. Failure didn't deter these people from keeping on trying, which just goes to show that you can use failure as a spur. One of the mistakes that people often make in fitness terms is to think that once you've achieved your body transformation, you can just stop. But this is the beginning, not the end, and lasting success comes from moving the goalposts as you go along, so there's always a degree of failure to overcome. The cure for yo-yo dieting is to have long-term goals that succeed in embedding good habits. Successful businesses do exactly the same when they innovate, aiming to boost sales by launching new products and services and opening new markets. I came across one of the most remarkable examples of this tenacious approach when I attended a public speaking course. The organisers had three of their top public speakers there to demonstrate their skills. They all told us that they had originally been acutely nervous and couldn't speak in public at all. Yet now they are getting paid as professional speakers. When I asked one of them what had changed, he said to me he was still nervous, but he had learned how to face it. And although it required constant effort, what drove him was the opportunity to succeed at it daily and the knowledge that he is getting paid to do something he never thought possible. This approach also gives you the opportunity to reshape the narrative of failure into something that can serve as encouragement for yourself and testimonial for your clients. One of the biggest assets a person or a business can have is integrity. People actually like to hear of individuals or business failures as long as these stories include an ending that tells them how you were able to remedy the failures. Case study 
You could say that my very first Mindset with Muscle podcast was a bit of a failure. I recorded the entire thing in stereo instead of mono, which meant that some people couldn't hear the guest, but it still shot to number one in the iTunes chart. As soon as I noticed my mistake, I made a point of telling everyone about it and about what I had learned from it. Don't record a podcast in stereo. Nothing is perfect. Getting the information out there is the most important thing. Progress over perfection. Success comes from pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone. Two weeks before, I didn't have a clue how to record a podcast, let alone publish it. Looked at through the prism of a series of obstacles overcome as you get fitter and stronger, your fitness regime is a developing success story. In the context of business, honesty about your failures and how you have overcome them is far more persuasive than a narrative of being born with a silver spoon in your mouth or having some sort of mysterious Midas touch. Summary. Don't court failure by letting others undermine you and undervaluing yourself. You don't know what you're capable of until you try. Don't let fear hold you back. Most fears are more imagined than real. Learn to use failure as feedback for learning and development. This is what research scientists do every day. Make failure a springboard for achievement, just as some of the most successful people in the world have done. My challenge for you. Identify three things that fear of failure has stopped you achieving. Tweet those three things to me, at Grenade Lower the lights down, hand over my crown, hand over my heart.